It is Tuesday, October 26th, and coming up on Golf Today, breaking news from the USGA and RNA regarding amateur status. What will it mean for your son or daughter at home? And Patty Tavitanikin of UCLA joins us to talk about winning the LPGA Louise Suggs Rookie of the Year Award and a little peek at what Architecture Week will be like. We catch up with Zach Blair, PGA Tour player and builder of golf courses, all coming up on Golf Today. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Welcome into Golf Today on a Tuesday. Damon Hack alongside Shane Bacon. And not your ordinary Tuesday, Shane. We have some breaking news. The word uh, amateur golfer is definitely going to be brought up in this show. News today as the RNA and the USGA have announced significant changes to the rules of amateur status. All this effective. January 1st, 2022. We'll dive in here. The rules of amateur status brought to you by the RNA and the USGA. Notable changes you see here. Elimination of all sponsorships, promotional, advertising, and expense-related restrictions. You see acceptance of prize money up to prize limit and prize limit increase from $750 to $1,000. It only applies, and this is important, it only applies to competitions that require play from teen area into a hole so that would be a golf tournament not a long drive competition or a putting competition minimum waiting period for amateur reinstatement reduced to six months and for more we turn to steve burkowski in atlanta burkle great to see you what are your initial thoughts and takeaways well damon i think it was a long time coming for these rules to be modernized and sort of catch up with the rest of the world in 2021 but the big takeaway for me finally we now see NCAA rules and the USGA regulations for amateur golfers, they're pretty much on a level playing field covering this part of the game for a couple of decades. You'd always run across a situation where someone might be eligible under NCAA guidelines, yet it might not apply to the USGA amateur rules. You guys just touched on the changes. They're simple. They're easy to understand. And I think moving forward, you can sort of go hand in hand that college golfers and amateur golfers they are pretty much now the same thing. I think that is huge moving forward, that there's not that ambiguous nature of you might be eligible for one and not the other starting in January of 2022. That won't be the case any longer. And I think it's a wonderful decision by the USGA, RNA, and all those involved with the decision making. Steve, why now? Why the announcement now late in 2021? Uh, I think they need to. I think it was a long time coming. This has been about a three to four year process, Shane. And we see college sports changing from top to bottom. We see the world changing from top to bottom. And I think you come into the situation that I recall at USGA championships when we had the contract, the first go around in the mid 2000s and early 2010s that you would see so many of these international players having success because there were federations, there were golfing unions that subsidized them. We didn't see that here in America. They basically said, if you're not a college golfer, you're sort of on your own. So if you truly want to grow the game moving forward, this is a wonderful opportunity for maybe some kids, young men and women across the board that didn't have the financial resources. Those rules are gone. You can now get money from just about anywhere to help chase a dream, to play some competitive golf. But big picture, uh, Shane, 
everything has changed in this world. And in this particular instance, I think it was much needed to make it simpler, easier to modernize it. And uh, I think moving forward, it's going to open the doors for a lot more players that didn't have the opportunities. Berkel, I think of Bryce Young in, in Alabama, for example, commanding dollars outside of the football arena. What impact do you think this will have in golf? You know, that's going to be a wait-and-see method, Damon. Obviously, here at the Eastlake Cup, talking to some of the coaches, I spent some time with Ryan Hibble, the head coach at Oklahoma. There have been no NIL deals for his team. I think everyone, at least in college golf, is taking a slow approach to that scenario. You know, there isn't a Bryce Young out here. There isn't a Spencer Rattler or anyone that is, uh, you know, earning maybe a million dollars plus just by playing college football. We haven't quite seen that in college golf, but – I think when you take a look at these rules, at least from the USGA's perspective, my interpretation is they don't want to be in the NIL business. They realize that college sports moving forward is going to look very, very different than it has in years past and in decades past. So, again, if you abide by those three or four things that keep you from being an amateur, pretty much everything else is fair game. So once you see a domino effect, maybe it's Rose Zhang from Stanford coming down the road that she perhaps could earn an NIL deal. I don't think the USGA wants to be there each and every time. Sort of what I touched on at the top, they would field so many calls of we're eligible here. Are we eligible with you? They're out of the NIL business. And I think moving forward, if we see traction with that in college golf, and again, it makes it very simple. You can pretty much get money from any uh, possible scenario moving forward. And if you can get it, by golly, go for it. Yeah, fascinating development. Burko, I know you're hustling, working hard, making calls. Thanks so much for your time and information. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Steve Burkowski bringing the facts. Well, here's some facts for your Tuesday. A definition of an amateur golfer here yes. at D-Hack. Because all golfers are amateurs unless they accept the prize that's not allowed under prize rule, playing a golf competition as a professional, except payments, compensation, forgiven instruction. This is very, very important as well. The third bullet point there can't give lessons mm -hmm. for money. Employed at a golf club or driving range professional, hold membership of an association for professional golfers. All of these, by the way, effective January 1st, 2022. So the question is, D, who will this affect? Who does this affect going forward? Because it, it, there's a lot of words on the screen, but who and what type of player will this affect? I think we'll find out. I think it'll be the high-level amateur at the end of the day. I think what the USJ and RNA are doing is really kind of crystallizing what an amateur is and the importance still of that status. But it's also going to be, in my opinion, a situation of supply and demand. What will a high-level amateur command? We've seen what they command in the NCAA basketball and football. You know, will the golfers have the opportunity to, to go give a speech or to – to do something that, that can kind of command dollars outside of just being a student athlete. That remains to be seen. We know that golf is flush with cash. We know how much people in the business world enjoy being a part of a game that is very hard to play. So I think, you know, it remains to be seen, but I would, I would guess that it's the high-level amateur that this will affect the most. You know, when you dive into the world of junior golf, and I was a part of it, you know, years and years and years ago, but playing the AJGA world, uh, unlike a team, unlike a basketball team or a football team, a high-level basketball player in high school or even younger you're traveling with the squad you're traveling sure. with the team you're traveling with the group flights are being booked when you when you kind of think about those types of things this uh, just the schedule um, notable events on the AJGA schedule and you kind of look at how much you're bouncing around the country here when you're a junior golfer the AJGA is massively important for getting looks and nods 
from college coaches. That's where the college coaches yeah. go. Those are the events college coaches look at. That and other, you know, big-time USGA championships as well. So a junior golfer and the budget that it takes yeah. to travel around the world and, and pay for flights and hotel rooms for you to be seen and noticed because you have the game to do that. It's very, very expensive. Yeah. So if you could make some money off that, it'd be great. I'm also very interested in the world of agents. You know, agents mm. now having to take a look and really understand junior golf, right? Understand which types of players are coming up. It's like investing in businesses, right? If you hit one of your businesses you invest in and it's a massive success, then you really win. And then I think about college coaches and the recruiting process there, yeah. D, because you could go and present opportunities to certain players at a college that maybe that player's not looking at. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, a, a fifth-ranked player in the world or a 10th-ranked player in the world might be thinking about a college that they didn't initially think yeah. about. I spoke to Brian Kelly, Notre Dame football coach, this summer in Lake Tahoe, and he talked about schools having someone on campus to handle name, image, and likeness because this is such a foreign concept that over the next five to ten years, schools, parents, agents, people will be thinking about these opportunities, but there's a lot of ignorance around this topic so that the schools themselves will have to employ people right. who can explain to recruits and would-be students about the potential opportunities. I love that you brought up the AJGA. I covered the Thunderbirds event in Phoenix years ago. A 16-year-old Jordan Spieth was there. Justin Thomas was there. Grayson Murray was there. Ollie Schneider -Jans. They're flying in from all over the country to participate in these events, and they are very, very expensive. Hey, you have to. I mean, that is what college coaches are looking at. They are looking at national junior golf tournaments for how you can succeed and how mm. you can play on those types of scales. I remember, and again, you've got to think, this was early 2000s when I was going through the process of trying to play collegiate yeah. golf. But nobody cared what you did in the East Texas 5A golf right. tournament. They want you to know what you did in the Abilene Reporter News event from the AJGA, right. you know, or, or, or the Lucent Technologies Championship in Dallas. Those were the tournaments when you finished T8, you finished T15. That's when colleges start to notice yeah. who you are as a player. So it's interesting. The other thing is, and, and you said it off the top, you know, basketball player and basketball, collegiate basketball is on such a pedestal. College football is on such a pedestal. But I think golf's third hmm. in terms of the potential for this, for these young types of players. And even after college, we've had Stuart Hagestad on the show a couple of weeks yes. ago, and he presented his schedule for the summer, his amateur schedule. Someone's got to pay for this. Yeah. I mean, you've got to pay to travel around when you're an amateur golfer. Now, all of a sudden, the most popular male amateur golfer in the world right now, Stuart Hagestad, has an opportunity to make money off of what he's great at, yeah. and that's golf. Because look at that schedule, D. That's all over the place. Yeah. You're traveling around. Not a lot of people are buying you these flights. I mean, you're putting your credit card down to get here, to get there. And now all of a sudden, Stuart Hagestad can do a couple of speaking engagements, talk here, talk there, and that pays for another couple summers of yeah, that. Yeah, have a dinner at Pine Valley, a dinner at Oakmont. I mean, those members have some pretty deep pockets. I do wonder if these college athletes, these amateur athletes, will be able to, you know, go dip their toe in a long drive contest that's not a tee to green, a tee to hole type of event. I mean, that would be fascinating if there's a young player, a young man or woman who hits the ball a long way. I mean, that's an opportunity, a potential revenue stream as well. Yeah, it was uh, out at the Waste Management years ago in True North one evening, had a long drive competition. I remember Gary Woodland was there, mm. Tony Finau was involved. Now all of a sudden, during a Waste Management, you go, you know what? Yeah. Why don't we get three kids from ASU, yep. three kids from U of A, these guys bomb it. Let's mm. see how far they can hit it. We'll get some groups around. We got sponsors. We got people in town to watch this. And all of a sudden, you're getting some 20-year-olds really going at it. I yeah. don't see how that's not an opportunity. And that's the key word here, D, yeah. opportunity. There's going to be a lot of opportunity in this with the USGA, in this with the NCAA and beyond for players to make money on their skill set before 
they get to the professional ranks because we know what happens when, pe when people turn professional. Yeah. Some go to the PGA Tour, some go to the Corn Ferry Tour, some go to the LPGA, some go to the Symmetra, and then there's other tours that we don't right. talk a lot about on the show. you got to make money somewhere, yeah. and this is an opportunity when you're on a stage like College Sports presents you and, uh, and is available to you, you might be able to make a couple of bucks mm. on that that could help you chase that dream as, as Burkowski talked about. We, we've talked about it through the years about the, the banks that sponsor golf tournaments and, and the hedge funds and just the intersection between business and golf. And you mentioned the popularity of football and basketball and golf maybe being third and maybe that number can grow. I mean, this to me is an opportunity for golf to kind of, you know, stick its chest out a little bit and, and have an opportunity to bring in some dollars to young people that are, are traveling and chasing the dream and learning how to be. And in many ways, they're, they're kind of preparing for the next step in life and they get to do it a little bit earlier. I'm excited to see the first player that looks like 10 cup going to the U.S. Open. <laughs> Just kind of low goes all well, low. Yeah. Let's see a bit of a NASCAR type of car situation. Because there's potential for this. Again, yeah. I mean, if you're on national television, if you're playing at these top-level college programs, you're on Golf Channel nationally, and we're showing a ton of college golf right now, that's exposure, that's eyeballs, people's interest in what you're doing and who you are. And now, all of a sudden, you're a great collegiate yeah. player. There's great opportunity here in golf. It's not quite basketball. It's definitely not college football. But there is opportunity here, unlike there is in some of the other individual sports. And a chance to see some ingenuity from from agents, from families, from colleges, you know, how will they use this opportunity, take advantage, look at their own lifestyle and journey in a different way? I imagine there are some things that we don't even know, that we haven't even dreamed of yet that could pop up because of this modernization of the rules. Yeah, hey, good move by the USGA, good move by the RNA. Plenty more on this, I'm sure, in the coming days and weeks. But coming up, Masters winner Hideki Matsuyama, a champion again. This time it was in Japan, the Zozo. It got us thinking, D. The best one-time major winners out there and who we think will join the kind of growing list of multiple major winners. All that coming up on Golf Today. Back on Golf Today, over the weekend it was Hideki taking home another title, this time at the Zozo Championship. He won by five. He made eagle at the last that's one way to close out a great 2021 for Hideki Matsuyama don't have to remind you about this moment D Hideki a Masters champion earlier this year first male golfer from Japan to win a major in that gloaming on Sunday in Augusta what a moment for him what a moment for his caddy Shota who bowed the golf course with a moment for the country as well. I think it'll be the image we remember oh, 2021 absolutely. in terms of golf. A look at Hideki's career trajectory over the years. Won the 2010 and the 2011 Asia Pacific Amateur Championships. Finished T27. That earned him low amateur honors at the 2011 Masters. First PGA Tour win at the Memorial in 2014. Won three times in 2016, 2017. Then of course 2021 he takes off a major championship win and the Zozo. So it got us kind of thinking about one-time major winners, D. You know, I've, I've long said this feels like the era mm. of the one-time major winner when you really dive into some of the historic names that are still playing golf today that only, if you will, have one major. The list goes a lot longer, I think, than most expect. Yeah, I think it's interesting you say right now we're living in that era. I, I think golf, for as long as it's been played, has been in that era. When you think about the notable one-time winners of major championships, there's some huge, huge names going back to 1946. You're taking us back to 46. To the 40s, the black and white. Well, Mangrum. How about that? My favorite. How 1946 about, U.S. Open winner. How about Tom Weisskopf? How many majors was he? 
supposed to win. Got it done at Troon, defeating Jack and Bert Yancey by a single shot. 76, you got Jerry Pate. You know, and these are names. So as we look at the modern, we're going to dive into this in a bit. When you look at the modern PGA Tour and you go, oh, they'll win another. Yes. Oh, they'll win three more. Yes. Oh, they'll win five majors. This is a good reminder. That doesn't always happen like that. Story of golf, Lanny Watkins, 1977 PGA Championship, Pebble Beach. Look at the reaction. We know how feisty, great iron player, aggressive player, won major championship. Fred Couples, famous moment, 1992. Ball stays up on the 12th. Wins the green jacket. You know what he did after winning the green jacket? Just gets himself in contention with the Masters yeah, every year. That's right. Why not? How about Tom Kite, who carried that bird and best player without a major? Gets it done. 1992 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach on that brutally windy day. That chip in birdie at number seven to hold on to get it done. 93 PGA, Paul Azinger. He's telling me a story once. He said there was a barn on his driving range, the back right of the range. He said that right before the PGA, he said he hit it ball after ball after ball at that uh, barn and he said the whole week at Inverness he saw the barn kept seeing the barn that's where it's at hit at the barn it turned out to uh, earn him a Wanamaker I can't hit the broad side of a barn <laughs> but that's another story 1997 Justin nice. our own colleague Zinger from another colleague JL Smooth you want to talk about a great putter closing 65 to come from five shots back in the final round you know not a a wrinkle, you know, not a wrinkle on his pants. He's always very meticulous, Justin. You know, like the iron his pants and his shirt looking very, very sharp holding that Claire Jug. And you know, still a sharp dresser. Still a sharp still dresser. Still an unbelievable athlete. Lives out in Colorado, runs up those mountains a lot. Yeah, Justin was in the in the frame in the mix at the PGA in 97, you may recall. Played in the final round, final group with Davis Love the third, the rainbow 66-66 at Wingfoot. For Davis's only major championship. That music plays. That music plays at Wingfoot. One great to another. Fucking David Duvall in 01. This it just kind of seemed like we were waiting yeah. major to major when he was gonna win his first. Yeah, in the mix in 2000. A little pressure on Tiger before Tiger won by eight in the very next year. Royal Lytham and St. Anne's gets it done. Despite sitting T35, by the way, and seven shots back through 36 holes. Yeah, 65-67 to close. Coolest trophy in our sport in the hands of David Duvall. We're talking one-time major winners. We talk about the ones that you thought might have more, and then you got a couple that always surprise you, but not for lack of play. One of the greatest shots in major championship history to close things out. 72nd hole, Sean McKeel, 174 yards. A couple of inches deep. Yeah, seven iron. There's a plaque now there where that shot was struck. And you get a plaque put there to honor what you've done. You have done pretty well. So our good buddies at Points Bet with the odds to win a major in 2022. There you see a pretty strong list of names. Rom, Bryson, JT, Louis Ace Tayson, Patrick Reed, and Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah, those are the notable one-time major winners who could win another in 2022 which got us thinking as I mentioned kind of I think of this as the era of the one-time major winner there are a lot of big names with one major title yeah. to this point and I was just thinking if we could list who we think has the best potential to win a second not just in 2022 but going forward yeah and I think it's really interesting to watch these players who do win that first major how their life changes how do you react to 
to the change of attention, to the money, uh, to the burden of trying to win that second. But I came up with five names that are on my list that could potentially add that second major in 2022. I go with big John Rahm. I walked away from Kohler thinking this is the best player in the world, and it is not even close. There's Bryson. He plays a game that's very different, as we know, taking on sight lines and holes in a different way. JT new caddy on the bag in Bones. Different energy, good experience. Louis Oistes, who's knocking on the door for that second major for going on a decade plus. And Patrick Reed, some of the best hands in the game. Fantastic short game. We saw what he did at Augusta a few years back. I think this is a strong, strong list. Got a lot of names similar on my list. I got John Rahm up top, Bryson as well. Louis on the list at three. You know, mm. Louis's got St. Andrews and Augusta next year. Six second place finishes for Louis in his career at major championships. Seems to be knocking on the door loudly. Yes. Knocking as loud as you can. JT fourth on my list. Hasn't played great in major championships outside of the victory at the PGA Championship. And I've got Hideki five. You know, Reed didn't make my list, but there's a great argument to be made because Patrick Reed, as you mentioned, the great hand seems yeah. like the type of guy that plays well around Augusta National. A couple top tens in his last two starts yeah. there at the Masters. When you play well at the Masters, you tend to play well for a long time yeah. at the Masters. And we want to see these players separate themselves and have a year like Jordan Spieth, have a year like a Brooks Kepka. you know, get that second major. We saw what it meant to Dustin Johnson to put on the green jacket as a son of South Carolina. So I want to watch to see who among this pack can kind of break away. Because as we just showed, there are a list of fantastic names, World Golf Hall of Famers in, in many cases, with one major championship, but but history, you want to be remembered forever, you got to add a couple. You know, I mean, what, what Colin Morikawa has already done in his young career, Amazing. right? Picks up a second major title, and now you're in a different category. I mean, you yeah. just are, because winning one major isn't enough to kind of solidify yourself as a great player. Winning yeah. two majors, now you're all-timer. I mean, mm -hmm. you're starting to join a very, very limited list. And just some names we didn't mention there, Adam Scott, Justin Rose, Sergio Garcia, mm. Shane Lowry. The list goes on and on when you're talking about these great players that any given week, any given week, things get hot with the putter, and they could find themselves in a, in, a, in a final pairing or two. And, I mean, that's what's so cool about this list is it grows and it can shrink down depending on the year. It's hard to win one, also hard to win two. So let's find out how we did and bring in our good buddy Jay Croucher, head of trading, of course, at points bet. So, Jay, listen, I kind of stubbed my toe in the lock of the week, but that's another story. How are, how's our top five list looking to you? I like it. And I like that you guys have John Rahm at the top like we do every single week. But uh, yeah, I think that what Shane said about getting hot with the putter, that's everything. Where when you look at a guy like Hideki Matsuyama, who's plus 650 to win a major, uh, you know, in this coming season, Hideki's someone who the rest of his game outside of the putter has always been great, but it's the putter where he stumbles. But the putter is the one area where anyone can get hot. If you're driving 270 off the tee, you're not going to have a week where you just hit 350 all the time. But if you struggle with the putter, you can have a week where the ball just goes in. And so someone like Hideki, we've seen that if he can get hot, then he can win the Masters. So I think that's something to think about when you're looking at guys to win majors is, is their weakness the putter? Because that's the weakness that you want when you're trying to win tournaments. Jay, we presented our list. Uh, very interested in your list, considering you kind of look at it from a different angle. Yeah, so in terms of the people that uh, bettors have most bet on at points bet to win a major, uh, you're looking at you're looking at the young guns because people they want to they want to be a part of the story, they want to be a part of you know a guy's first major victory, and so you're looking at Scotty Scheffler at plus nine hundred, my guy Cam Smith at 
plus 900. Will Zalatoris at plus 1,000. You know, young guys who have the upside to win a major, that's who people are looking at as opposed to, you know, the Dustin Johnsons and the Brooks Kepkers of the world who have much shorter odds and uh, a little more familiar. People want to be on board uh, that guy's first major win. Mm, Will Zalatoris with a lot of run in 2022. Jay's going to stick around. It looks like Christian Bale from the big short, you know. Uh, that's had a great, great office there. Much more from Jay in just a little bit. But how about Bermuda? You know, what happened to Brian Gay uh, traveling to Bermuda to defend his title this week? Some travel issues. Jay needs more screens. Does Jay need more Jay screens? Jay Crouch needs a couple more screens. Just a few Wait, more. Like eight? Was that eight screens? I think I might have counting. Ten. Golf Today, brought to you by PointBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And Bushnell Golf and the Pro XC, experience the best. And by Geico, you could save even more by bundling home and car insurance. Back on Golf Today, let's flash back to the 2020 Bermuda Championship. Last year was Brian Gay who shot a final round 64 to win his fifth PGA Tour title. Gay finished with a birdie on the 72nd hole and made a birdie on the first extra hole to defeat Wyndham Clark. Gay at the age of 48 became the oldest Tour winner since Davis Love III at the 2015 Wyndham Championship. Now our Rex Hoggart likes to, to tweet, likes to travel, but he's talking about an interesting situation for this week's Bermuda Championship. Flight to Bermuda was too heavy, which meant some weren't allowed on the plane, was it too much luggage, too much people? At least two PGA Tour players were in that group, including the defending champ. Wait, here's what I don't get. Brian Gaeta, he doesn't get a, a seat. He's not a big man. He don't get a way too much. First class, he's defending champion. Yeah. Brian Gay said, long day. We'll get there eventually. Assuming he got there. I think Again, he got the there. The guess is he's there. He's not a huge human being, though. I mean, you could have squeezed him on. It would have been okay. I can't believe he doesn't get a seat. That's crazy. It is kind of a wild field this week at the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. So just a reminder of some notable past PGA Tour winners in the field. And this, the last time they won on the PGA Tour, you got a couple in 05. You got four in 08, 09, 2010 past champs. It's a true potpourri. Yeah, the field. it's like a golf yearbook. You know, you look back at the pictures, you see how everybody's been doing about some names. <laughs> To remember, we got some names to remember. Arjun Atwal, good buddy with Tiger, a couple Orlando guys back in the day. Kind of like, how do I say this? Body, sense of humor, kind of like frat. You know, they they can they can have a good laugh here and there. This, this is this is his eighth PGA Tour start since the Bermuda Championship last year. Unfortunately, has not made a cut in his other seven. Hoping to change that this week. How about Owen Brown in the field this week? Dave? U.S. Senior Open champ, age 62. I text Owen from time to time. He's a red wine guy like myself. He talked about not over practicing these days because he wants to save his swings for the actual tournament. So we'll see what Owen has this week. I like that. His yeah. last PGA Tour start coming at the Charles Schwab Challenge in June of 2020. All right, who else we got? Andres Romero. He was in the mix at the Open when it was Patty Harrington and Sergio Garcia back in 07 at Carnoustie. Four days ago, came up two shots short of advancing past second stage of Corn Ferry Tour. Houston. Yeah, the roller coaster that is professional golf. Yeah. Get yourself in the hunt at a major, and then you're struggling to get through Corn Ferry Tour Q School. But you got a spot this week. How about John Rollins? 
John's a buddy of mine. We follow each other on Instagram. He's also a wine guy, so we like each other's you, Are you only friends with wine people? Uh, pretty much. Okay. Or, or you're out. But it's interesting because these are older guys. You know, when you get to a certain age, you have kids, you know, you start to like wine a little bit more. Has not made a cut on a PGA Tour since 2019. Missed all 11 cuts in his PGA Tour starts between 2019, 20, and 2020, 2021. So points bet a busy week. I yeah. That, maybe that's why Jay has all those screens. You got this kind of randomness abound. You got to go figure it out. You got to narrow it down. You got Matt Fitzpatrick, the favorite. Oh, Pat Reed, not even the favorite wow. here at the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. He's at plus 2,000. Jay Croucher sitting around waiting for us to bring him back in. And Jay, I mentioned the job. That's why you have all those screens. How tough is it to figure out a field like this that has such an assortment of players? Well, firstly, on those screens, I heard you asking how many there are. Right now, I've got six, but there are two on back order. And I like to think of it as kind of Keanu Reeves plugging into the Matrix to learn <laughs> jujitsu with this setup, except instead of learning jujitsu, I'm learning how to price Olin Brown to win a PGA tournament uh, in 2021. <laughs> I've got Olin at a thousand to one. So stranger things have happened, albeit not many stranger things. Uh, in terms of pricing this tournament, I mean, it becomes more and more difficult when the Bermuda Triangle swallows up half the field. But right now, we've got Matt Fitzpatrick as the favorite. Patrick Reed, like you said, he's only third favorite. And that's just because of his recent form. You know, he's past nine starts. He hasn't made a top 20. Uh, so it is wide open. It's not too often you'll see Seamus Power as a top five favorite to win a tournament. But this is where we are. And there's going to be lots of uh, potential for a long shot to get up and perhaps an unfamiliar name. Man, Jay is warming into this role, by the way. Very, very funny. How about Brian Gag? You mentioned the, the travel trouble. I'm just as kind of a novice uh, to the points bet world. How much would you kind of factor in travel trouble? Maybe missing a day of practice. Maybe you're a little like you're a little jet lagged or a little cranky. How do you factor that into the pricing? So travel's huge, and travel's one thing as well as, you know, rest that really comes into pricing across all sports. You know, the famous thing is when, you know, a West Coast NFL team goes east for an early start on a Sunday. That matters, and it's history bears out that it does matter. So it's very difficult to, uh, to understand exactly how much it matters, but it is a factor, and if you've had comfortable travel, you've had rest, it only helps. Jay, do these weeks make you nervous? You typically can throw John Rahm out there at plus 300 or plus 400, and you have Justin Thomas and Spieth and on down the list of players that people like to put money on because they want them to win. Do weeks like this make you nervous when it's kind of all over the place? They do, yeah. It is a lot more comfortable when you've got something warm like John Rahm to hold on to at the top of the odds board, when you've got anchors like that who you know exactly you know, what they can do and what you expect them to do. Whereas this week, uh, in Bermuda, with the travel elements, with a field that isn't as huge uh, in terms of the big names, it is much more difficult indeed. So past results don't always lead to future returns, but when you've had a, a Brendan Todd and a Brian Gay and these kind of out-of-the-blue winners, how much do you have to pay attention to the potential for a third straight out-of-the-blue winner in this event? Definitely. And I think that, you know, this is a tournament where almost any winner is going to be out of the blue because of the lack of familiarity with the names. And I think that, you know, players who do have experience at the course, that always helps. It's difficult to quantify exactly how much, but, you know, when you look at the blast from the past, one guy is Ben Crane, uh, who's 200 to 1 to win the tournament, 20 to 1 to finish in the top 10. But in 2019, he did finish 18th at Bermuda. So something like that definitely helps.
Jay, what would my number be this week? Where would you put me at? I mean, plus three, that plus okay. four thousand. I mean, plus five thousand. Where would you have me? A flyer in the field. What's the number? I'd put you right in the Olin Brown range. Perfect. Shane. So a thousand to one. It's a compliment. We'll give, we'll give Olin a little bit more credit. So maybe uh, maybe fifteen hundred to one for Shane Bacon. I think that's wow. a, that's that's great credit. I did just have a nice run of twenty two straight holes without a birdie. So I feel like I'm kind of right there where I need to be. <laughs> you hit it past Olin. I'll give you that. <laughs> thank you, uh, Jay Croucher. Thank you so much. Great information as always. Uh, we'll check back with you next week after another win with our locks of the week. Yeah. Speaking of locks, how about Patty T? AKA Patty Tavitanikit, UCLA Bruin coming up after her latest accomplishment of this season. The newest LPGA Rookie of the Year joins us next. Go Bruins. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Welcome back to Golf Today. Earlier this year in the season's first major on the LPGA Tour, UCLA Bruin Patty Tavitanikit completed a wire-to-wire -wire win to make the Chevron Championship her first major title. Patty began the final round with a five-shot lead and held off Lydia Ko, who shot a final round 62. Really impressive stuff. Big run on that Saturday. A look at her season in review. You mentioned wire to wire win for the first major title at the Chevron Championship. 54 hole leader in Thailand at the Honda LPJ Thailand. Finished T3, finished T5 at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. Playing well in these major championships, D Hack. Yeah, what a season for her. Other notable winners of the Rookie of the Year. You see Nancy Lopez, Julie Inkster, Annika, Kari Webb, Sari Pak, Lorena, Yanni. <laughs> Who's who? Lydia Ko, Jin Young Ko, and Patty T joins us on golf today. The UCLA Bruin is quite an achievement, Patty, to be named Rookie of the Year. Travel, new courses, nerves. I mean, what were your expectations at the start of the year? Um, definitely not this high. It's it's something, you know, I feel like I've overachieved so much this year. Um, starting the year off with finishing in the top 10 at Lake Nona, um, felt like my game was in a good place. But 
you know, looking back, I, I didn't really think that I was going to be a major champion and uh, play good in all majors this year and uh, get a Rookie of the Year award. It, it's basically a, a dream come true, and it's something I didn't expect on uh, achieving this this fast. Patty, distance remains king in this sport. You're seventh on the LPGA this year in driving distance. How much is distance a focus of yours in your training, your prep, your approach to certain tournaments? Um, I feel like at the beginning of this, uh, this season, I focused on swinging more efficiently and getting getting my body right. Um, not, not stronger, stronger. Like, I'm not trying to be Bryson out there, but I'm trying to maintain my strength for throughout the season not to get hurt not to you know make any manipulations in my swing when I get tired but those two combined it really did help me gain my distance compared to last year so are you content now with how far you're hitting it or is this something you're going to continue to chase uh probably something I'm gonna continue to chase uh chase because I feel like you know you have the advantage out there and for me to hit it um, pretty far and pretty straight. It's it's definitely um, makes the game a little bit easier sometimes. Well, there was a videographer chasing you at the Honda LPGA Thailand, capturing your warm up. It went viral. This symphony of well struck golf shots. Some on two feet. Some hit off of one foot. What is your process and how you approach this warm up we're watching right now? Um, so that whole warm up thing, it's just called a. Uh, BTT from Vision 54. It's just basically um, balance, tempo, and tension awareness warm up. Um, I do that both feet, so I feel the both balance on two feet, and then um, move to left and right just to feel how you know how I am at the start of the day. Um, some days are good, some days are bad, some days are just fantastic. Um, when I do get tired, I do get you know pretty shaky. And then you move on to hitting some slow ones, some faster ones. And within all that, I do feel my grip tension as well. If I'm gripping it too too tight or too loose, just to find that balance before you go out to play. It's it's something that is very beneficial ever since I turned pro. Yeah. And you, that's like Tiger Woods treatment, though. You know, we like to look at Tiger swing, you know, slow-mo, fast, warm-up. How aware were you that this video went viral? It did win viral. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so un I, unaware is what you're saying. No, I'm not on social media as much uh, at the start of the year just because I, I feel like, you know, mentally um, I'm not strong enough to, to, to know a lot about what's going on and just, just I just really want to focus on playing well and be a better player. But. Um, I don't know. I feel like it. I've, I've been doing that ever since I was on Symmetra, ever since I turned pro, and it's just something I've I've always done. And uh, some someone just happens to capture it at that moment after my win, and then everyone just happens to uh, pay attention on it. Well-rounded player, well-rounded person, as a lot of UCLA Bruins are. I went to UCLA four years and a couple of summers. So much about the campus to love, the environment, the people. What was your favorite part about your time at UCLA? Oh, definitely walking to my classes. Not necessarily being in, in, the, in the classroom, in the lecture hall, but um, just 
you know, you get that sense of you walking campus, walk up those hills, and it just feels like you're not in L.A. Even though it's really close to the city, but you you feel that kind of peace when you, you know, walk up and you see all the students in, like, you know, the lecture halls and everything, the architecture. It's Everything is so pretty about that campus. Um, I, I just feel really lucky that I spent two years there, and uh, it, it was a really fun time. All right, Patty, from UCLA to the LPGA Tour, you're a year, year in, so we want some insights into what the year was like. What's the sneaky best part of being on the LPGA Tour that we in the media rarely or never talk about? Um, probably get to play a lot of different courses, um, a lot of nice ones, um, uh, a lot of tough ones, and a lot of, you know, you go out there and you just got to make birdies. Um, there's a lot of different type of courses that you get to play, and uh, you go around this, uh, this country, um, you see a lot of cool places, you get to visit a lot of, you know, great sightseeing places and a lot of cool um, food places as well. I really enjoyed my time in Portland because um, it was like a, a good coffee place. So I get to drink nice coffee every day and uh, get to eat amazing food. Patty, that's uh, Damon and I's first thing when we get to a new city as we try yeah. to find the nearest coffee spot 100%. that we enjoy. That is that is next level travel already. I'll get you out on this. You posted a picture with your boyfriend about this time last year. What are your plans to one-up your matching pajama picture from last season? Here it is with the, the snowmen matching outfits. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I don't know. Maybe we, uh, we're doing something for Halloween or Thanksgiving. We're, we we spent a lot of time together, so um, that was, like, a very special occasion where we just first started dating, and then he uh, ended up buying uh, matching PJs, and we just happened to put it on and take a picture from the Christmas tree. But we'll, we'll see. It's I, a, I don't guarantee it. <laughs> that's going to be a hard photo to top. I want to leave you on this. It'll be last year at Mission Hills. You'll be defending next year in the California desert. Your thoughts as you try to go back-to-back -back out at the now Chevron. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited to go back there with, you know, um, the new sponsor, Chevron, uh, coming in and stepping in to support us in our tour. Um, really looking forward to have the game of golf um, grow on the women's side. And, you know, when you see more money, you just got to be happy. No doubt about it. Well, congratulations on all of your accomplishments in 2021. Great car. Don't lean too much on that accelerator. Follow the speed limit, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. From one winner to another, up next on Golf Today, Tom Brady has a habit of making history in his sport, and he did it again on Sunday with 600 touchdown passes in the regular season with the fan getting the ball. It got us thinking, which historic golf ball would we want to hang on to? That's next on Golf Today. Back on golf today, one of the more interesting professional golfers alive today, 31-year-old Zach Blair. He won on the Corn Ferry Tour back in 2019. But, D, this guy's always got an eye on golf architecture, maybe two eyes on mm. golf architecture. This, a tweet from Zach, said, after 120-day due diligence through the COVID pandemic, very excited to finally close on our property just outside of Aiken, South Carolina. Pretty cool 30th birthday present I would say so open in the gate and now you start to see the photos of what this could become Zach is obsessed with architecture obsessed with creating cool properties 
and golf experiences. And this is the tree farm. You're seeing some images. Zach out with the crew. Very fun couple of days in the woods with Tom and Kai finishing up the routing. What a cool experience to spend some time walking the site, learning from people who have been involved in building several of the best golf courses around the world. And Zach joins us now. And Zach, first things first, a big congrats on the tree farm. Always exciting for new projects from good people. Can you give us an overview of the project, who's involved, and what's it like kind of seeing a dream of yours start to take shape? Yeah, I mean, it's really cool. Uh, you know, we, we got a, a property just outside of Aiken, South Carolina, like it said there. Um, it's about 20, 25 minutes from Augusta, Columbia, and Aiken. So it's a pretty cool spot where, where a lot of people love golf, which is great. And uh, yeah, Tom Doak, you know, helped us with the routing and kind of some of the other stuff. And now Kai Golby, who's worked for Tom and Gil and, you know, a bunch of the best people in the, the industry or uh, he's out here um, kind of building this thing. So it's, it's pretty cool. Zach, you're known mostly as a player, but that could be changing. How did this interest in the business of golf course design develop for you? I've kind of been around it my whole life. You know, my dad owned and operated a few uh, golf courses and um, driving ranges and it's things like that. And, you know, still is kind of doing that. So it's really just uh, been what I've been around my whole life, that and golf. Um, so you know, something that we were trying to do in Utah for a while and we've been trying to do it for four or five, six years now. And it all kind of worked out uh, right now. So it's been it's been crazy to watch the whole thing transform and been really cool to see a bunch of people kind of get behind it and support it. And, you know, we got a really, really good crew of people uh, involved. So it's, it's awesome. ZB, I heard that on the road during tournament weeks, you'd sometimes sneak away to play some of the best designed golf courses in that area, a la Ben Crenshaw. How hard was it for you to focus on actual tournament practice rounds when places like Crystal Downs and Friars Head are not too far away? Um, yeah, practice rounds are probably my least favorite thing in the entire world um, when it comes to professional golf. So, you know, it's, it's one of the necessary evils, so I had to do it, but it, it was always cool. Uh, you know, my rookie year and some of the other years when I wasn't uh, in the pro-ams on Wednesday, it was it was cool to sneak off and go see some cool places. And, and really, that was kind of the the drive and the fire uh, to to get something like this going was seeing all these really cool places and, you know, figuring out what made them great, and, you know, trying to trying to emulate certain characteristics about them. And that's what we're trying to do. I oh, love hearing that. When Zach, listen, you tweet a lot about golf course architecture. What golf course design anywhere in the world inspires you the most and why? Ah, uh, man, there's too many, too many to name one, I would say. You know, some of my favorite courses um, for different reasons would be places like National Golf Links or Pine Valley. You know, one of those is really, really hard and one of those is really, really fun. Um, so there, there are so many good golf courses around the world that it's really hard to kind of even rank them or anything like that. It's easier to kind of put them in buckets of, of places that are really great. But uh, like I said, there's, there's so many. National definitely goes in the fun bucket. All right, let's focus on your own game for a minute. You've been dealing with a shoulder issue. What is your health status as you work your way back to the PGA Tour? Yeah, finally able to start playing again, which is nice. Uh, you know, had a couple of tears in my right labrum that kept me out all of last year, basically. And 
Um, finally started playing a little bit of golf recently. Uh, hope, hopefully be back sometime in early 2022. You know, definitely getting the itch to start competing again. And uh, this has been a nice little project on the side to keep me busy that and, you know, my, my baby. So um, I'm excited to play some golf again. ZB, where are you on the property right now? I know you're, I know, I think you're standing on a bulldozer is the rumors I'm hearing, but where are you? What are we looking at behind you? <laughs> yeah, so I'm on the blade of, uh, you know, one of the dozers out here. We're high behind me in one of the dozers with Nick, the superintendent. Um, we're in the right side of 18. So some of those trees will be gone, kind of be a clubhouse and everything. But yeah, they're, they're working on 18 right now. It's a 270-yard drivable par-4 finisher. So should be you know, a lot of fireworks here. It'll be fun. You know, Zach, I'm kind of a par-3 whisperer. Shane calls <laughs> me that. I, I, you can always write down a 2 or a 3 when I'm playing. What's your philosophy on building par-3s? I'm curious what you're looking for for the one-shot holes. Um, you know, Tom, I think, did a really good job. Tom Doak, uh, you know, routing the golf course. And, you know, he obviously pays attention to all of that stuff. And you know, has, has been involved in some of the best courses in the world. Same with Kai. And um, I couldn't tell you exactly what they do. Um, you're obviously looking for, you know, cool pieces of the property with good topography to build exciting holes. Um, and they definitely did that here. We actually start the first hole with a par three, 170 yarder that uh, will definitely uh, kind of set the tone for the round. It, sh it should be really pretty. ZB, what will the tree farm resemble? What's a place that you kind of envision this place looking like or mirroring if it's anything out there like it? Honestly, kind of tough to say. You know, every place kind of has its own uh, feel to it. Um, I would hope that you wouldn't get here and, you know, say this looks like this course or this feels, you know, very similar to this place just in terms of the aesthetics. That's um, one thing we're hoping we really nail and, you know, you, you kind of know when you're at the tree farm and you see someone post a picture and you don't have to ask where they're at. Um, so, you know, we, we got a really cool piece of property with a really good terrain and topography and sandy soils. And it kind of, you know, visits all the really exciting places, you know, around the property, which is kind of a testament to how good the routing is that Tom and Kai and, you know, we all kind of put together. Um, but, you know, it should hopefully be a fun golf course and a, and a relaxed atmosphere where people can come and visit and have a good time and just kind of keep wanting to play golf. All right, last one. In 10 years from now, is Zach Blair a renowned course architect, a professional golfer, or a little bit of both? Hopefully more of the golfer. Um, <laughs> you know, I never, never really thought this would be something that I was doing. Um, just kind of everything worked out, uh, unfortunately, with the injury, but it kind of gave me an opportunity to mess around with this a little bit. But golf's definitely the, uh, you know, my main passion and, you know, something that I want to kind of start playing well again soon. And, you know, hopefully I can go over to Augusta and play in the Masters instead of kind of visiting out here just for fun. Totally understandable. ZB, one of the great ones out there. We really appreciate you taking some time. We'll check in with you soon. From ZB to TV 12, see what Tom Brady did over the weekend, D? Joe did. Two touchdowns all over the place. That's all he done this year. He just keeps throwing touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. A fan got the ball. He got us thinking about golf balls, famous ones. Which ones you'd most want? We'll discuss that next on Golf Today.
back on golf today Sunday against the Bears in Tampa quarterback Tom Brady added to his Hall of Fame credentials when he became the first player in NFL history to throw for 600 TDs in his career first quarter Brady hit Mike Evans for a nine yard score to reach the milestone my mom has Brady and Evans in a fantasy team and played my wife and my mom won complications in the hack household I digress Evans rather than keeping the ball give back to Brady so Evans likes to hand the ball off to the crowd so this guy named Byron Kennedy ended up with the rock Evans catches three touchdown passes right his hands one off to a fan right that's I what mean, you do you're right? a professional athlete make him happy and uh, and then all of a sudden you go oh, no 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 that was number 600 what am I supposed to do Byron I'm giving you a chance right now you're on NFL Network would you like to renegotiate um renegotiate no but maybe uh play around to golf with tom as a repayment okay i think that'd be pretty cool <laughs> that's it so you want a round of golf nothing else like you don't want to call plays next week against the saints you don't want a, a spot on the charter all you want is a round of golf byron well if i was uh if i was calling the plays we'd probably lose against the saints so i'll leave that up to the team <laughs> round of golf all right Byron, I think you could probably squeeze a little bit more, but the ask is out now. This is on, I'm sure, at one buck place. All he wants, Tom, is a round of golf, okay? We'll see you out there on the links. It's a big ask. I'm telling you, it's a big ask, mm. Steve. This is what ended up happening. Okay. See, Ravel tweeted this out. The deal's been made with Byron. What's he going to get? He gets two signed jerseys and a helmet from Tom Brady. Sweet. Mike Evans' jersey. Oh, and his nice. game cleats. Hey, Tom Brady, where's your shoes? A thousand dollar credit at the Bucks a team store. Thousand dollars. A lot of jerseys. A lot of pewter. A lot of pewter. A lot of hats of the day there. Wow. Two season tickets for the remainder of the season and next season. I need the story on how he got the ticket. The friend invite him. The friend say, "Hey, you yeah. come to the game?" And yeah. now all of a sudden, I got tickets for the rest of the year. But the, the golf ask is a lot, D. What if he's a good player? If that doesn't matter. It's time. It's time. Tom Brady's time is valuable. You're asking for five. Six hours of Tom Brady's time. One of the top ten most famous people on planet Earth. That's not happening. Well, Tom probably has to, you know, read the playbook or hit the gym or work out or eat his TB12, his, you know, his curds and whey or whatever he eats to stay in such great shape. But you're right. Like, five hours. I mean, that, that's a big commitment. So you think that's too much? Because Andrew Siciliano didn't think it was a big deal. No, Siciliano was asked for, it. asked for more, if anything. Now, I mean, again, you're talking time for professional yeah. athletes. Every yeah. professional athlete knows exactly how much an hour is worth to them. Okay. I'm saying five hours, the middle of the season. Yeah. Tom Brady is an MVP pace right now. Right. They're looking to win another Super Bowl. Yeah. He's not spending five hours on the golf course unless it is in the schedule. I'm talking yeah. about schedule from weeks ago. Yeah. He's got it all sorted out. I mean, mm. this guy is a machine, D. Ryan Clark uh, on ESPN said that Tom Brady's playing the best football of his career right now at the age of 44. Just wanted to throw that out. I used to cover the NFL. Ryan Clark was a fantastic quote. 21 touchdowns and three interceptions to this point for Tom Brady. He's, he is somehow, some way, yeah. if it's possible, looking younger. Hey, Tom. Yeah. Pass the advice along. And he loves our game, which is fantastic. He does love of, the game. You know, a lot of great history, by the way, in our game. It, a lot of history, and we were thinking about the football. You know, you get yeah. handed this football, and all of a sudden you don't realize it. I mean, you remember watching McGuire. Sure. Sosa back I in do. the day. And I do. Every talk, yeah. every talking point was about who would end up with, with that ball. baseball. Who's yeah. ended up with a baseball? Did they put chips in the ball to yes, make sure it make wasn't sure it's authentic. So, so in golf, I just wanted to go through maybe a historical moment. You know, something happens in our sport. And a ball gets tossed to a fan. You're that fan. What's the golf ball you'd love to have the most? 
Lee Elder, 1975 Masters, the first African-American to compete. Uh, that ball would be pretty cool, especially in hindsight, the fact that I've actually written a profile of Lee for Sports Illustrated. In fact, I interviewed him this past April when he was an honorary starter. So I've gotten to know Lee a little bit through the years and talking to him about that week in 75, how he rented two houses that week because of the death threats that he was receiving and the pressure, but also the honor of being the first African-American to compete. That was us uh, a couple of minutes after he was on that first tee on that beautiful morning. And I, I just respect the man. I probably wouldn't ask him for, for much, right. you know. I've had lunch with him before. I've sat down with him before. Just to be in his presence, to share his time would be enough for me. It would be cool to have the ball if he wanted back, I, I'd give it back. Kind of kind of an entirety of the moment yeah. is what you're looking at. I, I'm looking a little bit more at just kind of a specific moment okay. at the Masters as well. I'll take oh, you wow. back to 1935. Sarah's in a shot heard around the world. The forward 235. You know, when you hear those numbers in modern day golf talk, I don't think you totally understand how impressive a golf mm. shot this must have been. I mean, 235 yards in 1935 with a forward. Right. And this is a golf shot that should have been considered the shot heard around the world because it was nearly impossible to pull something like this off. So when you get a ball kind of flipped up in the sky yeah. your way and you snag it, that'd be a pretty good one to have. A four wood. And what are guys hitting today? Five iron? 235, probably I mean, five right? iron. Bryson probably thinking six. I mean, you want to stop it on that tiny, tiny, skinny green. I yeah. Mean, you're talking five and six iron. That's a mm. great point. I mean, it's a completely different game in a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah. But the approach shots in, again, some of the times, some of the stories we hear, Arnold Palmer driving greens. I mean, these things and the equipment they used and the distances they carried some of these shots, we don't give enough credit, mm. I think, to how great the players were, you know, a few generations ago. Speaking of the Masters, three-time Masters champ Phil Mickelson, doesn't he have, like, a habit? Like, when you, if, you, if you spray a shot, you sign a glove? So, I've long said that the signing the glove thing, yeah. you know, you, you, you get it, you get a, these wear in the glove. So you're getting a used mm. glove from all these professional golfers. Sweaty? Like Just if it's change it up. Phoenix, it's be sweaty. Change it up. Give a dozen golf balls okay. out of your bag. You know, Max Home and I used to have a big joke about gift cards. You have a, a gift card bag, okay. you know, in your golf bag, and you can just reach in there and whatever you pull, we had some $100 ones in there and some $10 ones in there to the sizzler. Mm. You never knew which one you were going to grab. But listen, you're a professional golfer. Let's get a little bit more. Did you see all the stuff Tom Brady's given for a football? That that was a, a haul. A haul. The $1,000 if you're a Bucks fan, to go in there, you spend an hour in there trying to get there. You get the signed jerseys, you get maybe a helmet. I mean, that's fantastic. I, I guess the one difference in golf and, and what we're presenting here with football is, you know, Phil Mickelson said, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a car. I'm going to give you some, you know, stock in some of the companies I have. Maybe people start <laughs> to dive in front of the, the errant drives. Um, so maybe this would keep everybody calm and collected Very along cool. the fairways. Well, we like to ask questions on social media. I believe we've done that today with this. We did. We'll think about history of this great game from which historic moment in golf do you wish you had a ball thrown your way major championship a moment maybe lpga whatever historic moment you want if you had to give it back what would you want in return a round of golf would you want a couple bucks would you want a signed glove hit us up at gc golf today best answers make the show reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So this was our social media question of the day from which historic moment in golf and Phil's made a lot of history, but you know, what ball would you want thrown your way? And if you had to give it back, what would you want in return? Beg barter, what would you do? Would you ask for a round of golf? We got viewers saying, hey, Jack, 86 Masters after completing the 18th major around at Augusta and a lifetime pass Jeez. to the tournament, Gene. Yeah, just not, not asking for too much. <laughs> wow. Lifetime pass. Those are hard to get. Vance said Jones after he putted out to achieve the Grand Slam. Perpetuity membership to Augusta National. What are they? Hey, guys, it's not going to happen. Yeah, but you got you to ask. I guess you got to dream. Yeah. Wow. All right. This is, Give you a uh, couple of cups. Jason, the better than most putt by Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all. At the players for returning the ball, I'd simply ask for a round of golf for me and seven <laughs> of my closest friends at Sawgrass. Of course, hotel and open tab uh, would be nice too. Make a little. Jason's trying to get free beer. Is what he's trying to get. You see that? That is yeah. really good. Yeah, I can make a little mulcher on there. Ryan saying 2019 Masters ball used on the 72nd hole. What would I want in return? A single round of golf with Tiger himself. And I, are you serious, everybody? These are All so, people are asking for is a round at Augusta. This is these are uh, folks are asking for big things to happen. Augusta's kind of exclusive, you know, hard to get into, you know, bucket <laughs> list, you know, on your deathbed you're hoping to play. I mean, that's that's Augusta National. I'd, I'd like an autographed hat and maybe an autographed glove, and oh by the way, an Augusta National membership. I mean, I, now it's all on the last line. Everything was slugged out there at the end. Uh, I mean, you guys, you got to dream big, right? It is. I mean, Augusta is the place of dreams for so many in the in the game, and when we tell them that you know we're covering the Masters, yeah, but it's oh my, you get to go, you get to actually stay. What's it like? Is the grass that beautiful? Is the course that undulating and beautiful? Yeah, yes, yes, and yes. A experiencing Augusta National, experiencing yeah. the master's walk with someone that you love mm. or you're friends with or family members my sister came out a few years back and you and I are in the golf business yes. I and mean, we're golfers we dive deep into this sport occasionally we're at golf tournaments and we're working and at times it can feel like work and then you walk those grounds yeah. with someone that hasn't seen it mm. and you get to experience what all those feels are like with someone that you love like my sister that was mm. as cool an experience as I've had at the Masters. In my short time, kind of getting a chance to go for work, was experience Augusta National through the eyes of a friend or family member. Very cool. Love that story. My good pal Brian Murphy, radio host at KNBR, was the golf writer for the San Francisco Chronicle. He went to his first Masters in 2001. I went to my first Masters covering it in 2002. He wanted to be with me in the morning that very next year just so he could relive what it was like for him the previous year. He got the Tiger see it through slam, your eyes. and I got Tiger beating Retief. That's Good that's stuff. great. I, I got a hat of the day. Okay, I think what you it, it kind of you got to guess it, but it's going to align with a guest we had earlier. Patty Chee. I'm going to let you take a. A wild crack at this one. Zoom in there because it's a pretty good logo. I see a tree, so I'm going to say Tree Farm. This is the Tree Farm yes. logo by our main man, Zach 
player talking Augusta National, 30 minutes in Aiken, South Carolina. It's a dream come true for yeah. a golf nut, an obsessed golf fan, a great player, ZB, one of the best ball strikers yeah. you will play. One of the greatest short games in professional golf is Zach Blair. But so cool to kind of see this thing start to unfold. I know it's been in his brain for a long time. I wish him the best of luck. He mentioned the great terrain there. You got Augusta National. You got Aiken. You've got Palmetto. You've got Sage. And he wants Tree Farm to have its own history and kind of be a place that the folks want to play in the years to come. The history's in the soil. Mm. And you know what he did? You know what he started with? He stood with? on a dozer for us. And you know what he started with? <laughs> a good logo. It helps the courses. I'm telling you, got to have a great logo.